Welcome to Market Proof Marketing, the podcast from the Marketing Minds at DoConvert.com, where we talk about the current state of all things digital and how they impact home builders and developers around the globe. We're not here to sell you, we're here to help you and to try and elevate the conversation. I'm Kevin Oakley, and with me today, as always, is the ad doctor, Andrew Peak. As always, episode 128 with Jackie. Hi. So excited. It's been so long. It has Where been. Where have you been? What have you been doing? I know, seriously. I'm just kind of getting out of my little cave over here. I feel like now yeah. we get, we're getting snow. Oh, Kevin, I don't know that? if you've gotten all that snow yeah, coming we down. Got three and a half, four inches. They were yep. telling everyone that schools were going to be canceled, so my daughter didn't what? set her alarm. And I'm like, you're... <laughs> You're not old enough yet. You don't understand that every time they forecast major snow in central Ohio, we get like a dusting. Like a dusting. Yes. Man. Like the, it's like the, the dustings are then what you have to worry about because that's when you yep. then get pelted with the snowstorms. And so. we never get, it never falls like once every eight years, it falls fast enough, but otherwise it's got to catch them by surprise or else the crews mm-hmm. are going to have the roads totally fine by the morning. So, yep. Yep. But yeah. it was, it is fun to have snow outside. Right now, I will say December 1st came and there it was just a beautiful white winter land over here. So, I know it's a lot of fun. Yeah, and three inches of snow is plenty enough to make snowman get Mm -hmm. a sled out and you know play around in the yard. Kids are already all about that. We were like in the 40s in Florida, 40s and 50s. So, that (gasps) was pretty chilly. We were freezing, we we didn't know what to do with ourselves. Tag it, turn the heat on. (laughs) Yeah, parkas, snow jackets. They don't even sell snow jackets down here. We don't have snow. Obviously, they uh, don't. But funny. It's our trouble is they'll get rid of the short sleeve shirts or shorts, and we're like, it's eighty five degrees outside. What are you doing? Like, <laughs> we don't need long sleeve stuff in January, February, March. Mm. Who does that? Who's in charge? Oh uh, goodness. Well, let's hop yeah. right into story time. It's story time. And uh, Jackie, since you're I'm the longest oh, yeah. since you've been able to share an yeah. update, uh, what do you got? I'll do a quick one. So. The housing endeavor, the custom home building that my husband and I, as a family, we've kind of gone down this route. For those of you that haven't heard before, uh, there's some family land and we're given this opportunity to uh, build a home of our dreams. And I put, I wish I could, you know, do my little hand quotes and you could see it, home of our dreams, because that's (laughs) something we're still figuring out. And, um, you know, we, we have two young kids, so we're, we're navigating through wants and needs. And I will say we've kind of taken a step back in the process and more so because we thought we nailed down the floor plan that we loved until we saw it virtually put together and we both looked at each other and we we just weren't in love and at the end of the day we kept trying to make it work and it's one of those things that this kind of investment and this type of emotional just the the load that you carry with this should never feel like you have to like settle or you know make something you know try to work you know try to make it work so we went back and we said you know We found something else. It was a master down that we started with, with the secondary bedrooms upstairs. Mm -hmm. And we were actually talked out of a ranch, a a one-story, because people looked at us, a lot of the builders we'd met with and said, you guys are 31 years old with two kids under two. Why do you want all the... Like, why do you need a ranch? And and they just think you're going to see the price and be like, the the price per square foot is never going to be as compelling on a ranch when you don't have space above or below. Right. Exactly. So at the end of the day, we went back to kind of what we'd initially been talked out of. And we just said, we keep going back to just... If this is forever, you know, I don't 
Kevin, I don't know. I think you mentioned once before about Melanie with the steps and like they can be beautiful, like this having a grand, oh, beautiful yeah. She's staircase. In love. I, I like, told her many times, you should just go marry a set of steps as much as you want to have this magical figure that yes. no one uses except to walk yes. up and down steps. Why does it have to be a fourth of our downstairs? Oh, you're, yeah. trying to, you're triggered me. Go ahead. Yes, I'm sorry. <laughs> and that's why for me, it was letting go. I can just relate so much to your wife because it was me letting go of the steps and just saying, okay, like we do love everything on one floor. So that's kind of where we're at. We, uh, I will say the process is a little slower instead of when we had built the home we're in now four years ago, I feel like our meetings were a lot closer together and it could just be the way that times are right now, but it's once a month virtually. And I feel like you could be so much more productive in that time because we're not meeting as often. I don't, Kevin, I don't know if you can attest to that. Like you could knock so much more out during your meetings, uh, in a short, like, you know, when you're meeting online virtually for two hours instead of in person chatting. Oh yeah. It's way, way more efficient. And that was Melanie's favorite part was being able to just hop on zoom calls with the architect and say, okay, we're not sure how you'd solve this, but could you move this here and do that? And he was just now, this is what's interesting for those of you who know more about this. I was talking to her the other day about how could the architectural and design process be better? Cause I'm my wife's now a, a focus group of one going through this process of like, okay, what's the, <laughs> yeah. what's cool. the part? by the way, everyone, she was super excited to hear that on many of my calls over the past month or so, people have referenced that you can tell your wife that we're almost done with the model homepage and the search functionality on our website <laughs> nice, that she nice. said we had to get um, to from that. our story time a while well, ago. Yes. But I was like, how can we do that better? And she was like, well, it was just so easy for the architect to move things around the screen. And I was like, no, 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 hold on. He, like there's more to his job than that. <laughs> yeah. Let's just be clear. He's moving lines around on the screen, but then he has to go back and just make sure that it actually works and holds up and the stairs have the clearance necessary. Like that is not how mm-hmm. easy it is. And she's like, oh, okay. Like it, it's just, it, it's always interesting to hear how we talk about this a lot. Uh, no one else in your company knows how hard marketing is. Mm-hmm. And even with the Market Proof Marketing Academy, a lot of the attendees who've been doing marketing for a while are like, I didn't realize how complicated digital marketing is. Yeah. So that that was just something else interesting to learn. But And that's one thing I, I'm curious about is that virtual experience that a lot of people are now having, if a lot of people are finding it better or a little bit more congested with their ideas getting across. I'd be curious about that. Well, I have a hunch, a very strong hunch from observation. It's not, I don't have enough data to say concretely, but I have a hunch that one of the things that a lot of builders are messing up on is they're making customers have the same conversation multiple times. Yes. Uh, instead of understanding that the virtual online Zoom conversations and the in-person are a continuation of the same one singular conversation. Because mm-hmm. we saw this originally with online sales. It was like you would talk to the online salesperson for you know 10 minutes in total over the phone, multiple email conversations, and then you show up for your meeting with the on-site rep and it's like, okay tell me about yourselves and what are you looking for in a home? I've already done that. And so (laughs) I have a sneaking suspicion that while customers are happy to have multiple options to connect and get together, there's just still this idea of like, why am I repeating myself so many times Mm -hmm. through all this? Do you think a lot of that comes down to having one person as, I know there's always that handoff process, but do you think it's too many hands in the pot, like too many people involved or... 
It is too many people involved who don't understand or refuse to interact with the CRM system. Mm. So, I mean, that mm-hmm. it would be one thing if everyone had a single piece of software yeah. that they were taking all of their same notes off of and could quickly follow up and stay on the journey of what's going on. But, you know, the number of builders who have design studio staff who also use the C- same CRM that the online sales team does, that the onsite team does, mm-hmm. like, oh, no, no, I mean, that. CRM's cute for you guys. Once they have a contract, like we use Excel and folders on the desktop to keep everything organized. Or, <laughs> yeah, you know, it just doesn't, yeah. Not doesn't often trans, well. translate throughout the entire process. The other thing that really struck a chord that you were just talking about was the rubber banding of like, you try to make yourself okay with certain things. And then at mm-hmm. the last minute, or in this case, mid minute, you're like, ah, no, it doesn't work. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. And every personality type struggles with that differently too. Absolutely. I'm more likely to say immediately what I'm really thinking. Mm-hmm. And my wife is definitely more the type to be like, okay. And then after we leave the design studio, like two minutes before decisions are to be turned in, it's like, I can't make myself love it. I thought I could, but I can't, please. Sorry. <laughs> yeah. We got to start over or I got two hours time or it's like, oh my goodness. I wonder if we that's were just a female there. thing. Like I can relate. Like I, to me, I think it's like, okay, maybe I'm not visualizing it right. Like I'm going to follow along this path, what? this journey what? for me. And what was the Jessica Roberts movie, <laughs> Runaway Bride? Oh yeah. Julia that, Roberts. Yes. Julia yes. Roberts. Yes. yes. I she, feel like that there yes. needs to be a home builder version or meme of, if, if we only knew someone who had a home builder <laughs> meme account. I know. Yeah, yeah, that, needs seriously, that needs to be we made. That's that a, actually a very good one. Her on the horse, just running away from like floor plate. Yeah, Myers. <laughs> <laughs> Final decisions are due in 20 minutes. Yeah. I'm out of here. Out. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. It's funny. <laughs> How about you guys? Oh, Either man. of you have a good story? Andrew, what do you Yeah, got? I got a good one. We had a, uh, what are we calling it? Like a follow-up call to the Market Proof Marketing Academy and Scott Stratton which was amazing that he was on and he was, it was like 30 minutes or 40. It was a long time. He hung out with us Mm -hmm. and provided lots of insights and just conversation. And there's one that's interesting. So he's not in the industry, but he has perspective and the insights and just like human, like understanding to be like, here's what people think about home builders. Here's their issues. Here's what, and it's him saying it. So it's different than anyone else who's in the industry saying it. And he's like, yeah. So post sale seems like, seems like a problem and i'm paraphrasing like i'm making it simple what he said like post sale is the issue which in my mind that means also post sale is the opportunity to be better than the competitors mm-hmm. that's where you need to fix things and that will help mm-hmm. everything else imagine if people loved your company your marketing is going to be tenfold like it's going to be mm-hmm. so much better so it was i don't know if we we're able to like put some of those snippets on the podcast but there was like two or three minutes of him talking about it i'm like oh my goodness this is like Scott Stratton, one, one, like, let's, 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 let's write that down, put it in the Bible at the end. That's not mm-hmm. okay. But you know, it needs to be written. And I was just thinking about that tied into Eric from Tilson. He started his journey and home building as warranty. And so this is, I'm just dumping my brain here. So at Tilson on your lot builder in Texas, they perform their own warranty work. It sounds like it on, on some things, probably. I yeah. Don't. Most things essentially punch out type punch out items so, so are going to be done by the company. Yeah. Which is super cool because like one, one of Scott's points was like, but I signed the contract with you, mm-hmm. not the trade you found that's closest mm-hmm. to me and hit the bid so that you can make the most margin. Or he's saying things to, you know, of course, like get your emotions fired up. But so I'm like, oh, that's really interesting. I'm just thinking about my home building experience and other people's. And it's like, you know what? That's right. It's always like, it. yes, it is technically legally 
contractually probably the trades fault that person that subcontractor whatever like like the paint say like in our our community like the whatever painter they used not the brightest crayon in the box or whatever <laughs> and it's like that experience with choosing that poor painter who does not fix the issues now is a reflection not of the painter we don't know who the painter is but of the builder who built the homes mm-hmm. and there's mm-hmm. 74 homes times 350 to 450,000 dollars x in revenue and how much would it cost to fix a little painting um, issues that everyone's like, man, this builder, blah, blah, blah. Look at our house. Like six o'clock at night, you could see they use different glossy or flat on the exterior of the house. And we will have to get this fixed at some point. Mm-hmm. Just fix it. I don't, and it's all post-sale. Like I think getting, especially now, like getting the sale is the easy part. Buyers well, that sets up 2021 yeah. perfectly because yeah. right now everyone's worried about delays and how long it takes to get a sales appointment booked perhaps because of how much interest there is. And that's kind of, it's really important just like the stock market, like the stock market does things that always cause headlines to happen Mm -hmm. because it's the reverse of you're like, wait, we're in the middle of the pandemic and the stock market is surging Mm -hmm. or or like right now um, everyone's talking about the post COVID world when it comes to stocks and where things are going. It's like, wait, mm-hmm. the vaccine's not been rolled out yet. We don't have yeah. a put. Why are we? The, yeah. the market's always three, six, nine months looking forward because that's if you can change your investment strategy, knowing what is likely to come, that's how you make yep. money. And we really have to be doing that as home builders. And so, yeah, that's a current issue. And there's some things you can do to try to make that better. But the bigger opportunity is to be spending your time and energy thinking 2021, how do I make the folks under construction and post-sale as happy as possible? How to communicate with them clearly, set expectations, spend money that I don't need to spend on ads perhaps to make that experience better. And -hmm. then how do I give those customers megaphones, excuses to talk about you with others? Because it is weird to kind of brag about your house. Mm -hmm. I mean, if you're an influencer, you post a new picture of your kitchen with slightly different lighting every other day and pretend like it's the newest thing again and again and again and again. (laughs) Overexposed white cabinets. (laughs) Overexposed always with whatever (laughs) filters. Yes. Um, No wrinkles. Mm -hmm. But most people are like, I don't want everyone to know the house I just bought. That's kind of awkward or Mm -hmm. so you got to give them an excuse to do that. So uh, what's interesting about this story, Andrew, is how many marketers are, are kind of saying like, I don't know what to do right now it's all working yeah. well. And, mm-hmm. um, it's probably going to work pretty well next year. Like leads are, are, if leads are the thing that you've been focused on for the last three years, you think all problems have been solved and what else am I doing? And yeah. that leads never were the challenge. We've mm-hmm. said that f- ever since the podcast started, right? If you, if leads are your problem, there's a bigger problem <laughs> right. uh, going on. Mm-hmm. and. And so these are the kind of things that you should be working on and thinking on now before they start hitting in 2021. That's yeah. And if it, if it were me, I would somehow, and maybe that maybe it is um, counted somewhere with some builders as far as like just helping you, you're the digital marketer, helping support that system of post sale. What can you do mm-hmm. to do it? So I, whatever your skill set is to me, that'd be like, we need to somehow track literally everything. And if painting is the issue, somehow it is blurring your lines. Like, is this really my responsibility? Like it's not leads. It's not traffic to the site. It's not Google analytics, but essentially it's following, like you're not stopping your job after they get to the site. Like you're just continuing it because it does, it's, you know, it's all connected. 
I think, yeah. and you know what's funny? I, I have a couple people very close to me that are getting ready to close on new construction homes. So mm-hmm. it's pretty it's pretty funny in a way to hear consistent things across the board with these three. Mm-hmm. And a lot of it, and it's so funny, Andrew, you mentioned about the post-sale. A lot of it is this expectation that is not almost given or this communication that's not shared about things that need like, you know, touch-ups and different things that the two weeks before you go in for your final walkthrough, you're going to see so many things that need done. It will get done. Like you can't go in two weeks before. You're like, I don't know if I trust you, but you, I have panic. no choice like, but to. And, and having that communication, I, I think there's just, and people get so hyper and worked up. And I think that's where it snowballs. So having oh, that, I mean, it's just, uh, it, it just, and that's where people get frustrated. <laughs> I, it's funny because I've never once heard any, anybody say I'm being emailed too much by my project supervisor. I'm, I'm being told too much information. Like I've, I've never heard that. So I think in a way it's funny because you hear people complain when you're almost bombarded too much before you start down that path. But once you're on it, I, I think there's just, there's no threshold of where it goes. A thousand percent. Yes. Randy, who's the project manager that we'll be working with, I believe, throughout our process with our build, the septic company or vendor who's going to install the septic system on our lot had flagged out initially where they thought it was going to be. And I went to the site and I looked at where all the flags were and I was like, it was going the entire way along one half of of the property. And you you can't do anything on top of that area once it's installed because that's you don't want to mess that up. <laughs> it causes, mm-hmm. causes some not fun. Yeah. 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 Oh. And my initial reaction was, I'm going to take pictures. I'm going to communicate. And I was like, nope, not doing it. Not starting that process now. I trust Randy. He's given me no reason to doubt him. And I, and I didn't say a word to my wife. And then we, had, we showed up, he emailed and said, Hey, do you, can we meet on the site? I want to show you the septic layout. And then I'm like biting the inside of my teeth. I'm like, sure, <laughs> this is going to be fun. And, and, my wife was like, I don't even need to go to this, do I? It's just a septic system. I go, you need to go because mm-hmm. if this is what it was before, you're going to have an opinion. I didn't tell her that. But that's just what I was thinking. I was like, you are coming. Mm-hmm. And we got out there and Randy was perfect. I mean, absolutely perfect. He goes, uh, yeah, so they flagged it out originally and I looked at it and I said like, that's not going to work. So I've worked with them and we've pushed it up to this corner here that you're probably not going to be using anyway. And there's a secondary system back out here. And again, I didn't say a word because I'm trying to manage my own wife's experience and expectations and how much mm-hmm. she thinks she needs to worry, which is none, please. <laughs> yeah. And if you're listening. So then afterwards we get back in the car and I go, Randy's perfect, like perfect. And she goes, yeah, you know, he's not super talkative. I go, exactly. And that's one mm-hmm. of the, that's, that's another great sign of a great project manager. The friendlier, happier, chipper they are, usually like you, you got to be a little... I know I'm stereotyping, but that's been my own experience of folks I've worked with. Uh, George Clemmer built my house in Pittsburgh. Very quiet. Just get the job done. It's going to be done right. You don't have to worry. We never had a negative or questionable communication experience with George because he just didn't communicate. He did what he said he was going to do. It was done. Mm -hmm. It was done right. He held the trades accountable. But that was just a... Yeah, I completely uh, know where you're coming from is my understanding now is that I need to give Randy the first crack every single time before I even bother because he's probably going to catch it and, and do a great mm-hmm. job. Yeah. That's good. that's good. What if you, this devil's advocate, say like on time number three, where you're like, Ooh, that's not right. Ooh. Like, do you, do you think you have an internal limit of like, I trust Randy now he did this perfect, but would you 
how many times of like things that aren't in concrete done incorrectly, but like, that doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. That doesn't seem right. Would you then be like, I better start saying things. Cause like, what if we get well, the, the, past the, something and we can't. We the inability for me to answer that because I haven't been hard. in home building now. This is other, it's just is nuts. I had to update a bio thing for someone the other day. And it's like, now we're going uh-huh. on uh 17 and a half years in home building. Oh, like I, I know it's not like a, that doesn't seem right. It's kind of like, like that is wrong. <laughs> There's some, I, I, I know too much to put myself in yeah. that situation, but generally yeah. speaking, the, this doesn't seem right. It's always okay to ask when things don't seem right. What, what were things definitely my experience go the wrong way is when customers start saying that is wrong because yeah. it looks wrong versus I'm not like, can you t- explain how this works here? Cause I don't mm-hmm. understand how this so is versus like accusing we took these versus- 14 pictures the other day and now they're thinking, Oh my gosh, right. Like I know. And that's my job and it's in process and chill out, you know? So that that's, <laughs> it's, it's just cause, cause then at that point, and I, I'm just telling you how project managers have told me is, Awesome. Now I've got another set of eyes that's even more detail oriented than I am. Yeah. So let them do that. Like, great. You guys find all the stuff, provide me the list. I just pass <laughs> it on to the contractors and I don't even really have to check now. It's mm-hmm. like, I've got these other that's set funny. of eyes that are going to. They're perfect. Yeah. yeah. You go they ahead come, and make your list. They um, come on the job site more than I do. It's <laughs> better. Yeah. So to, I think it's a bigger issue is the first step is do they catch things on their own? Right. Like, I'm not even going to say it. Just Next week when I come back, has it been addressed or or fixed? If that's not the case, still not a big deal as long as then they're notifying me like, you know, hey, this still isn't done. I understand that. This is mixed. This this window's broken. That's the other thing. Mm-hmm. It's yeah. when they say everything's fine here. It's like Han this Solo and start yeah. like, everything's fine. We're all fine here. How are you? Uh-huh. You're like, yeah, wait a minute. Right. You said this is done. Uh, totally separate pages, <laughs> like on separate pages. I, I yeah. get that. Yeah. Interesting. Fun. All cool. right. Well, gosh. Yeah, it's just Scott t- Stratton somehow just like he did his research, whatever his magic stuff he does. Well, and he was talking, it wasn't even just said, about our industry. It was all industries. He's like, everyone mm-hmm. sucks at this. That's why I wrote the book on selling. <laughs> you yeah, shouldn't need to do this much selling if other people are just saying good things exactly. about you. Mm-hmm. Exactly. It was fun. It was awesome. Um, well, my story time piece here is remember Kevin, the plumber talked about, I kind mm-hmm. of yeah. feel, I realize that's yes. one of the things that I'm, I'm doing out here. The other is apparently therapist and I'm, I'm almost in oh. love with this one uh, like more than plumber. Not just as it sounds better than plumber. No offense to plumbers. <laughs> They're important. Um, no. They're very important. No, what the hell? What uh, by society, the way, that, another interesting, plumbers. if you ever go to the international builder show and you go to the Kohler booth or other uh, they talk about grams which is very interesting they're like this can flush this many grams <laughs> so uh, hopefully you're not listening to this while you're eating but anyway moving on so uh, <laughs> kevin the therapist i was on a call with a builder partner and the owner said you know i just we were like 40 minutes in this is great like this is just like therapy for me to to hear to hear you what you're saying it wasn't even about marketing stuff it was other operational things they're a smaller smaller company Mm-hmm. And, um, and then I was on a call with not a builder, just someone who had been observing from the outside. And they were kind of like, it seems like, you know, do you convert somewhat providing therapy to, to online salespeople and, <laughs> and new um, marketers Jen, by having this gosh. regular place that you can, you know, hear stories and connect and be like, I'm not crazy. And everyone's having similar challenges and issues. And there's really no one else in my own company that I can connect with in the same way. And so that definitely struck a chord hearing that 
that twice in quick succession. You know, my family hasn't been impacted much by the pandemic as a whole. From the beginning, I think I made the joke that at the time, all four of our kids were homeschooled. I work from home. Our company is completely remote. Uh, so yeah, not mm-hmm. much changed for the Oakleys, except we did more, you know, grocery delivery than, than anything else. But in terms of even the job, definitely having this community and you guys as listeners and, and folks interacting has definitely made it all way easier than, um, than it probably seemed like it would be at the beginning. So because I'm boring, I was telling Andrew, I, I, I did like a personal hobby thing for the first time in a year and a half. Wow. Uh, I don't really do anything else but this. Uh, I mean, so boring or obsessed, I guess, pick your, pick which word you want to use, but yeah. I don't, I don't really do anything other than new home marketing and home building. So thank you for all you guys for <laughs> allowing us to be your, your therapy buddy. And, uh, and thanks for your continued support and listenership. And then also Scott Stratton, like you said, Andrew had a lot of fun things to say. I took away mm-hmm. something else that really sparked, you know, I've, I've tried to talk about this idea that marketing is getting more involved in sales ish things. And mm-hmm. he said in a probably better way than I did, which is that marketers now have to have to manage and engage in a two way conversation. And for so long, marketing was just, we, we make pictures, messaging ads, whatever. We send that out to the customer. And then mm-hmm. certainly early in my career, sales would get pissed. If someone else is talking to customers or prospects, like, no, no, that is sales job. You guys need to cut that out. And now the full contact sport is marketing. It's not just sales. And that's why there's a lot of stress in marketing because you still need to do all those things with the same number of people or less because now we live in a digital world. So just a department of one for you. Right. <laughs> make it all happen. You know, mm-hmm. I just thought that was a really interesting yeah. and, uh, way to put it. And I, I predict I'm, I'm being Kevin and I've been listening to, I'm, I'm almost embarrassed because I, I think I said, I don't really like Gary Vaynerchuk too much. I like pieces of his content, but like I would never binge on all his stuff because I just don't resonate with a lot of it. But the prediction, because he's like, I'm making a prediction, da, 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 and he gets like obsessed. And he's like, look, I was right. I'm so smart. That's what I don't care about him. But I predict someone be just like someone I don't <laughs> care for too much. Like in five years, and I have to be careful what I say, the role of marketing relative to sales, like I think marketing will have even greater influence on those, those things. And then 10 years from now, I'm thinking about like, will we still be buying homes? Will it have to? to go bottleneck through this sales process mm. compared to like saying 2030, which sounds ridiculous. Or will it be like, we're refinancing our house all digital. It's crazy. Like everything's digital mm-hmm. and you could say, Oh, it's sales or sales technology, but like the appraisal schedule through text message, mm-hmm. like everything is going through. Like I talked to the person for 10 minutes on the phone. That's mm-hmm. it. Synced it with my bank account. Then they're like, cool. You're good. Thanks. Here's your yeah. mortgage you had before. And even though that, I guess it's more like marketing sales technology, but I would throw, throw it all underneath the marketing bucket for, for builders. But it's just like, wow, that's going to be really interesting five, 10 years from now, what marketing will be everything. Maybe we'll mm-hmm. have a different name at that point, but. Smarketing. 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 Oh, with the sales no, don't use that. That's someone sales. else's. I forget where I heard that, but. Smarketing. <laughs> sales technology, but what it would still be like the digital person is still the how does this work and interact with people? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think sales will become more asynchronous, which is a word we've used a lot. And just that it's not going to be just person to person communication. It is mm-hmm. 
like like right now in real time. It's there there yeah. will be sales conversations happening. They will not all be face to face or in real time in the future. I, I think would be my yeah. expectation on that. I but there will still have salespeople that. involved. They'll just be more efficient and spread uh potentially more thinly, but like you said, mm-hmm. they'll be responsible for potentially less of the overall experience process. Yep. However you want to look at it. All right. Um Heading on over to the news. First up from Inman.com. Surprise, not surprised. New home sales soar 41% in October. Inventory continues to be an issue with an estimated 3.3 months of supply at the current sales rate at the end of the month. I'm not certain we have uh, 3.3 months of supply Mm -hmm. in most of the places. I'm not sure, but they're determining as supply, but uh, the median sales price for all new homes sold in October, 2020 was $330,000 up slightly from 326,000 the prior month. The average sales price was 386. Hmm. So hmm. that, um, that's the other thing I think I saw Ali uh, Wolf comment that, you know, there will likely they're forecasting sales growth in 2021 as a whole, but it will be limited by supply constraints uh, more than anything else. And that totally makes sense. Again, as some builders are essentially done selling in for 2021 and are, you know, if you, if you've write a contract now, you're looking at 2022 or, or so mm-hmm. that's just crazy to, to think that about. Is, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Okay. Mm-hmm. A couple of weeks ago, I did a solo episode where I kind of broke down a little bit of what Facebook's planning to do to avoid the cookie privacy pixel issues that are out there and going straight to the CRM. And then surprise, no surprise, Facebook buys customer for $1 billion to expand into customer service tools. This is customer with a K is the name of the company. This article is from TechCrunch, uh, dated November 30th. So Today, Facebook made one of its biggest plays yet to build out the services it provides to businesses on its platform. It is acquiring Customer, a startup founded with the aim of disrupting the customer service industry with a new approach to providing agents with better data and more unified pictures of users by bringing together the many social media and other channels and longer history between them and the company in question. So getting a better perspective of who it is that you're interacting with, which other CRM systems have created ways to like see an online profile or picture to try to help you understand this is a real person. Hopefully we don't have that same challenge anymore of online leads are suspicious mm-hmm. <laughs> in some way, but it's, I think it's really interesting that Facebook is saying, let's get into the CRM game ourselves. And, and also another builder partner who we can't name was approached directly by Facebook and offered to be part of a clandestine group of people to give feedback on what a CRM system mm. uh, run and designed by Facebook would look like and what what problems it would solve. So very interesting that, you know, they want yeah. direct access to your current CRM now so their AI can learn and they also mm-hmm. just want to build their own. So maybe build it'll also become own. easier and you can just use theirs in the future. I want to, I want to sign up for customer because it, say Lasso or, or HubSpot or Salesforce, if you were to take CRM would be like the broad category. Those are definitely more sales focused yeah. mm-hmm. things, platforms versus customer appears to be more on the support end. So post sale, like looking at the, what you get mm-hmm. for $89 a month, satisfaction measure, measurement and reporting. So all these things that we aren't really focused on because it's yeah. just not the product that HubSpot is focused on and Lasso mm-hmm. is focused on the sale versus it looks like this might be 
leaning towards the other direction. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I've never played with those before, but seems seems in- interesting. And uh, not to be outdone, a CRM company decided to acquire a messaging company. So this Salesforce uh, yeah. this week bought Slack for $27.7 billion. Is wow. that even real money? Wow. That, that is, I believe, 24 times their reven- projected revenue for next year, I that's believe. Nuts. So what's interesting here is CRM, like everything's, and this is mostly for larger players, but everything trickles down to smaller companies as well. You know, Microsoft has Teams, which is awful, but it's seen tremendous growth because it was given away for free by Microsoft to anyone who is -hmm. an enterprise customer. Then you've got Zoom, which saw tremendous growth. And Mm -hmm. Salesforce didn't really grow during the pandemic the way that these other platforms have. And they're like, we need a messaging platform to Mm -hmm. connect into the CRM system. And then again, you compare that to Facebook saying, we are a social media company and we need a CRM system. A lot of this points to, you know, the data that's in the CRM and then how do we connect that to other things? And, and I heard something, I think it was Jim Cramer on CNBC said that Dropbox was an orphan company, meaning there's nowhere else for Dropbox to go as an organization and a stock if it doesn't get acquired and bundled with something else. Because now having the, your, you know, your cloud where you put in your data on its own, not connected to other stuff, just seems like an orphan product or company service yeah. like that's so like boring not boring. <laughs> like it's like oh, it's not useful it like i don't want to yeah. have five different things it used to be and now it's mm-hmm. especially as data storage is like yeah there's so many different options now compared to Dropbox. it's like what i could have my computer and it's your computer we could open it up and save it that's so cool that's like everybody does that yeah mm-hmm. so crm company buys communications company communications company buys crm company crms are are definitely uh, a key to the future with the data they have inside of them. Oh my goodness, Thais must have known that Jackie was on (gasps) this week's episode. This one weird. (laughs) (laughs) Next up from litmus.com, email design trends. What we're what we are expecting in 2021. Not we do you convert, but litmus, and then we'll see what what we have to say. Yeah, yeah. What do our our intelligent designers think about this? And then I'll give my non designer input. (laughs) on these and see. I was going to say, do you want me to read off some of the (laughs) email design trends? Okay. So they're saying tangible visual content, which I think we all can agree with that has been something that has been a hard push, having great visual content, nostalgia and futurism, simplification, subtle delights, shapes, representation and values and balancing styles. And they and this article is pretty neat. If you definitely want to attach the link because they give examples, so you can visualize. Yeah, of all of these things, and they're and they're obviously very visual. Um, yes. No surprise, they're using Apple and Google mm-hmm. and Adidas and companies that you would expect uh, on a lot of this stuff. But you know, good design is is certainly no question an important part. In fact, we talked about the fact a couple, a couple maybe a month ago. A lot of the CEOs of some of the largest companies in the world now have a design or a UX background. Mm-hmm. And it's because how it is so important to make sure that it's easily usable and, and understandable mm-hmm. by the prospect. I really like the nostalgia and futurism. And mm-hmm. again, I've, I've used this before, I believe on the podcast, but this idea that anytime you can tap into something that has a nostalgic element. And I know Gary, Gary V Andrew's favorite person ever is My a favorite. big believer in this too. <laughs> Um, but you know, the, the lyrics of a well-known song 
if you can tie in pieces of that without getting sued, back when I ran billboards in Columbus, Ohio, I did have a billboard that said, I finally found what I'm looking for, which our target market was the person who loves you too in that age demographic. Mm. It's one of their most popular songs is I finally found what I'm Mm -hmm. looking for, or I still haven't found what I'm looking for. So it was a play on that. So anytime you can use nostalgia of any type, songs, pop culture, and pull on that. I mean, as a child of the 80s, now everything that is nostalgic is 80s, which is interesting too. I was just going to say like some examples for those that are just like, what kind of design thing, you know, bright colors, outer glows, dark backgrounds, anything that Mm -hmm. I feel like you're right. Everything is like a lot of the 80s, that uh, fun, poppy stuff, that pop art, like a lot of that type of stuff is Mm -hmm. making its way back around. Yep. And, and you know what, at the end of the day, I, I keep thinking back at, you know, anytime it, new construction, you know, it's inciting all these emotions. Well, same with something nostalgic, same with something that people can relate to. It, it can't help but, you know, bring that out. And uh, I, I noticed a common thre- uh, trend through even these trends with, you know, keeping things a little bit more simplified and with just even subtle delights, like having something as a, a key feature, whether it's a slight animation type of animated you know gif something where it kind of lets the content be the message rather than all the verbiage that you worry so much about like people mm-hmm. end up that's th- the first thing they you have that 50 seconds up at the top to be able to grab their attention so they talk about hero images kind of being more sophisticated with their upgrades and now replacing it with attractive topography on top of that as like a a muted, you know, image in the background and different shapes. Uh, it's very interesting to see how this grows every year. Yeah, I really yeah. like the, it seems like the use of, I'm going to enter my designer words here, <laughs> the great use of white space to have emphasis mm-hmm. on the product that they're selling. Um, that's like the top ones there. Like, I'm like, everything's white, but then the photography is perfect for the, like it's Apple products and it's shoes, but like, there's just like, you're, all you can focus on is what they want you to look at. Like, there's not like all this stuff going on, and then everything is still flat. Um, yeah. As far as like the graphic, like there's it's not gradients, which I feel like that's super old school. That's been a while, but it's interesting. Like, I, I think if we could go into Google and like flat design, mm-hmm. would be like 2000. I don't know, 14, 15, or something. When there's articles about that. Yeah, and the other the other obvious thing, but if you're not looking at the article, it's just good to say anyway. Is everything they're showing here? I mean, there's dozens of screenshots of different different emails they are all in mobile format yes oh that's interesting yeah very true which is another reason why why i think you're seeing a lot of white space is because white space helps things become responsive whether it's in desktop or or mobile layouts they they even say that helps reduce the cognitive load because Mm -hmm. a lot of that if too much imagery you know that's why they say having a focal point different things like that it's just then the viewer isn't bombarded and feeling they have to study so much at once I agree. So I, I love that, the, the cleaner look. And uh, one thing I did, I think I, I came across that I absolutely loved was they say with simplification, with how many emails, I think we all can attest that they are, the volume of them are increasing every single day, especially this past year. Yeah. And to keep things clean yeah. and concise because they could just be heard better in the sea of noise of all the emails that you receive. So, yep. And I yep. think those designs place so much more importance on the quality of your photography 
-hmm. Like if you were to take those designs that they had on the, they just had up there, Kevin, and then put up a terrible picture, you'd be like, what? This is a, this is I mean, a a photo that a salesperson took on their crooked generation old iPhone (laughs) while driving from their car. Yeah. Not work. Yeah. It's, I'm like, oh, this, you have to have perfect pictures for these to work. But then the end product is one plus one is, is five versus like, oh, it's just the pictures Mm -hmm. with the emails. Um, Yep. All right. Last article from Forbes.com. YouTube will now show ads on all videos, even if creators don't want them. Oh, man. There's a couple of reasons we're talking about this. One, because it's just interesting and from from a marketing strategy perspective of what YouTube's deciding to do and and the theories behind that. The other is if you want to run ads on YouTube, you're going to have even more inventory, which should, in theory, lower the price for the foreseeable so. future as more ads are going to be running. Uh, so uh. the the full background here is in the past, you know, channel owners decided and could only really have a limited number of decisions until they got of a certain size, how they wanted to monetize their channel. And a lot of smaller channels, especially never got to the threshold where they were big enough to be able to, to make money from ads uh, or just decided I don't need the money or don't want ads running on my content. And now YouTube is saying, Mm, no, hold up. Google will now show ads on all videos, even if the creators don't want ads. And the creators will not get paid from it. That's it's crazy. a new section wow. of YouTube's terms of service called Right to Monetize. And essentially, quickly here, it says, starting today, we'll begin rolling out ads on a limited number of videos from channels not in the YouTube Partner Program. That means as a creator that's not in that program, you may see ads on some of your videos. Since you're not currently in the program, you will not receive a share of the revenue from those ads. Ooh, burn. Oh. Yeah. Sorry. No, I mean, maybe. I mean, do they really care if they didn't want ads in the first place? Maybe not. Mm-hmm. But so there's a couple reasons why people are theorizing they may be doing this. One, if you haven't gotten those annoying ads offering to be, you know, a YouTube Unlimited or YouTube Red, I don't forget what they're calling oh it now. God. I'm going to open up YouTube and see if I get one. You know, it's f- like, oh. $5 a month, I think. And usually it's a free, free month trial or a three month trial. But you can pay to not get yep. ads. And to let it continue to play when you minimize the app. So they're, they've created this bug in their software mm. that they can magically fix for you if you pay them monthly. Oh my gosh. Uh, to do so. Wow. So some people are theorizing they're just trying to make ads more annoying so that more people end up just paying them directly. And by the way, channels who get views from people who are part of YouTube Unlimited get way more money per visit or per view than they would get if it, someone just watched an ad. So it becomes kind of like a Spotify-like service where you pay, if you're an unlimited Spotify user, you're paying a, a subscription fee. Mm-hmm. Most of that fee goes to the artist that I'm choosing to listen the most to. Um, so it's not a bad thing for the creators of the content necessarily. It's definitely a good thing for YouTube because there's just more money sloshing around uh, in their mm-hmm. ecosystem for both them and their creators. But it, it does beg the question of if this opens up the door for someone else to create a better video platform, because we know that users aren't going to put up with the ads. They're either going to go away, install ad blockers somehow around the content, um, or YouTube's hoping they just sign up for the for the I, unlimited service. I think it will force the creators who have a larger following to have their own app mm. from there's because I'm into like working out and all this stuff, whatever. But that's like very popular now with fitness 
is to have your own private app that's like four bucks a month, five bucks a month, mm-hmm. ten bucks a month. And it's a, it's you're like, oh, there's there's it's like a, there's a forum, there's a place for live, there's a place for videos, and it's all right there. So I'm thinking like the, my kids watch like certain YouTubers that were are yeah, on the approved point. peak family list. I'm like, they have three and a half million followers, they have two million followers. Why don't they have an app that's four dollars a month oh, that yeah. has the exclusive content, all this stuff, and they could have whatever they want on there. You know, it's the same point. Same deal. You think which it's is more streamlined with YouTube. You think it's just yeah. easier access and so YouTube would send the traffic yeah. and then they mm-hmm. get them off of YouTube. If YouTube turns into too many ads, I don't know if it will or not, but so what's interesting to me anyway is that the Joe Rogan podcast that just you know made all the splash going over to Spotify, you can watch the video stream or toggle back and forth between video and audio on Spotify. So something tells me that Spotify is going to be getting more into video and hopes to be able to do there. There are other services out there now. If you listen to podcasts, a mm-hmm. lot of them will have their own app. That's really a rebranded version of the Lipson app or some other Lipson. service like that, where, you know, they just have to change their logo, et cetera, and they can charge you money to get access to that app. There's Patreon, of course, OnlyFans is a somewhat seedy <laughs> oh, for thing sure. that for sure CD. models <laughs> and whoever else uses to... Some, but yeah. th- those, those things are definitely out. I don't, so it's not just exercise and, and gym. It's it's creators of all types. I think they do want their own channel because you never know when YouTube's going to change the rules like this. Mm-hmm. In this case, yeah. it, it will be probably a good thing for a lot of them, but it'll be bad. The other thing is just, again, this means more opportunities for ads to be shown on the platform, which is a good thing because yeah. already the average cost per view, Andrew, you were looking this morning, is like two cents-ish. Yeah, you can get it super low. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, so bid, bid low if you're doing in market YouTube. <laughs> maybe ad. they're shooting for Secret. a penny for advertisers to really. But the other thing, reason yeah. I wanted to talk about this is just so we talked a little bit about OTT over the top advertising because it's definitely things something that we're getting more questions about from builders. Is hey, I've been approached by someone to do more remarketing essentially or in marketing ads to people uh, using over the top devices like a Fire TV or Apple TV, etc. Roku box and and target people that way. Those aren't a bad thing to look at and consider, but if it was me, I probably wouldn't be going in full scale until someone like a Google Mm -hmm. using YouTube as their, as their essentially platform to make it easy for folks figures out a way to, to kind of let you go direct because anytime you're doing OTT now, for the most part, you're going through someone else who is taking a cut and probably not as very small cut. It might you might, you might imagine a small, but if, if they're taking 15%, 20% of your ad spend yeah. as profit, that's, that's tough, especially when you have other options like YouTube to go direct right now. So yeah, and I think OTT still, will be a bigger part of the future, but I don't, I think it's still a little bit early. It's still, yeah, there's a, a post in the, I don't I probably need to comment to help save some people. It was a post in the NHAB Young Professionals Facebook group earlier today. I was like, what do you guys think about TikTok? How do you incorporate <laughs> TikTok into your marketing strategy? I'm like, oh my goodness. Like until... Like one no. don't, but like all <laughs> these other things are so much important should be done to perfection towards mm-hmm. perfection first. And then you could go um, elsewhere. But well, even when they, when they announced NHBX, is that what they're calling it? IB, uh, the builder or IBSX. Yes. Sorry. Yes. Yeah. Andrew, you sent me the video and you're like, Hey, have you seen this yet? And I was like, the no, video. it's an interesting video. I forget. I think it was a YouTube streamer or something that they had embedded on the page. So I just went oh, to YouTube yeah. to see, and it only had like 28 views. So Andrew's like on the pulse. He knew exactly when to pounce and find that wow. video. That's um, amazing. But it goes back to like, you've got this content. 
and no one's seen it yet. So then if you're the marketer saying, well, how about over the top and how about this? It's like, you've, you've got it on the second largest search engine already mm -hmm. and you have 28 views. How about you spend, you know, the point two, you know, the yeah, two, two cents, pennies one cents, per right. view Something. and really make sure you take advantage of what you already have available in front of you and, and that you can control directly through the Google ad platform. Yep. So. Without a big contract and all these other things that probably go along with. Yep. I agree. Oh my goodness. Okay. So that's it. <laughs> we definitely need to break. And when we come back, we'll be joined with Eric Allard from Tal Tilson Holmes, uh, Dawn's boss. Dawn Dansler was on the podcast a couple, a couple months ago. This is her boss. Who's awesome. Yeah, is he awesome. more awesome than Don? Is Don more awesome than Eric? Mm. That's a complete setup. They're both amazing Ooh. people. You're going to love getting to know Eric. We'll be right back after this. May you have auspiciousness and causes of success. May you have the confidence to always do your best. May you take no effort in your being generous. Sharing what you can, nothing more, nothing less. May you know the meaning. All right, today we have one of the best people that I've had the chance to get to know over the last many, many years here at Do You Convert? And that is Eric Allard from Tilson Home Corporation. He's the Senior Vice President of Business Development in charge of sales, marketing, strategic growth, all the new initiatives in the organization, sales park design, development. Uh, what, what don't you do, Eric? At uh, I, don't do, I don't do construction. <laughs> and uh, there's, there's lots of things I don't do. I don't do anything I'm not really pretty good at. So I like delegating a lot. And we haven't had someone of Eric's level on the program who's over at least all of sales and marketing or higher since Brian McCarthy was on from Abrazo, I think around episode six or seven. So we're over a hundred episodes past that. And I thought it'd be great to have Eric on because everyone loves Don, uh, who works with Eric. Uh, you love Don too, right? Oh yes. She's a godsend. I think, um, both Don and you have said that if anyone tries to steal Don, you will throat punch them. Yeah. There's like that's actually <laughs> a record that was on video. Unfortunately, that's good. That's, that's awesome. So Eric, We'll talk a little bit about on your lot, but what I really want people to to get a sense of uh, as we as we go through the program today is what a good leader looks like. And I know that's going to embarrass you because I I know you, but you are great because Don is a thoroughbred, and yep. the wrong type of leader could certainly crush the spirit of that kind of a horse. Are we are we okay with horse analogies today? I think so. I think I think I think so. I'm not sure. You're a Texan. I'm right. a Texan. Yeah. Donna is, is not technically, but I think she would appreciate the, uh, the analogy. Yeah. So, so talk to me about how you first found Dawn. We'll just start there. How, how did yeah, you, you come yeah, to and, know her? And first of all, thank you guys for having me on What y'all have done in our course. industry is, um, un unbelievable actually. So what y'all are doing is pretty magical over there and do you convert and you are to be commended and, um, on the, on the whole podcast saying congratulations on the, on the diligence and the perseverance it takes to, cause there's a whole lot of excuses, I'm sure. And distractions that come up every day of why you shouldn't do it. And you do it anyway. So well done. Well, I appreciate that. We're playing a little tennis game of pass back the, the, uh, what's the call uncomfortableness of, of being nice things of being said about you. Yes. Yeah, so we're going to play you. the vulnerability back game and get deeper and deeper until there's nothing left. Yeah. Reciprocation. Back and forth. There, oh, it is the reciprocity. Thanks, Andrew. Yeah. Uh, so first met Don. So our, uh, organization had a, um, ad agency that we used. We didn't have it. We, we used an agency, um, for many, many years that, uh, Don was 
uh, that was where she started, actually got her start in, in, in the marketing industry. So they were in, um, on the East coast. We have, we were, and have always been in Texas. Um, obviously I was not involved at the management level at the time. I, uh, uh-huh. I was, uh, actually working as a sales assistant in Bryan, Texas when, um, when we started using that ad agency. So I, I had, I had very little impact on the decision. I was, my family was pretty big on there'll, there'll always be an opportunity at Tilson. If you want to come work for the company, we're, we're generationally owned as you know. And, but you, if you come, it's not going to be in a nice cush corner office somewhere. You are going to start where everybody starts, where you can actually add value um, later on in, in life. So I was a sales assistant there, but so I was working, actually it was kind of fun was we were working like when we needed to sell, like if we needed brochures or slicks or, you know, oh, like, slop like, slick. What's a slick? Yes, yeah. So, so <laughs> back in the day, this is this is early two thousands, man. So I was alive, we, but I don't know what the slick is. This, this sounds like <laughs> oh, it's a uh, a slick is a nice, a way overpriced piece of paper um, that is glossy, and on one side it has the floor plan, on the other side it has uh, a magical, mystical elevation that you can't that that you pay thousands of dollars to have someone put trees and grass around. And then you buy the sheets of paper for, I don't know, somewhere probably 17 to 32 cents a piece. Um, and you give salespeople um, unbridled control over ordering that stuff. And <laughs> sounds expensive. Yeah. So, no, it's, so, it's, so it's, glossy flyers. <laughs> yes. Is that, okay. Yes. They yeah. were glossy flyers. That's Better right. than the, than the old HP is spitting out in the corner office. Yeah. Slick yeah. has the glossy sheen that, that kills the rabbits and all the other. Correct. Characters. Okay. Correct. It. Yeah. The, the, all the, all the chlorofluorocarbons and, and aldehyde that you can, that money can buy. It's all in there. I'm only calling them slicks from now on because it just conjures up this idea I, of, uh, uh, you know, the guy with the grease back hair that you shouldn't trust, just like you shouldn't yes. trust spending that much money on printed materials. Precisely. You know? Yeah. Precisely. Sorry. But hey, okay. as, a, as a 21-year-old, 22-year-old <laughs> sales assistant, whatever, I just needed what I needed to hand them because it was very important you handed those to people because there was really no other way for That's them how to, you made a sale. Absolutely. That's right. That's that right. If you didn't paper. hand it to them, there was no way they're going to buy something. So... Never mind. We had two model homes sitting behind me um, to, to prove what we could actually do, but that was neither here nor there. <laughs> they had to see the glossy piece of paper. So anyway, right. Don was working on the on the agency side um, over there, and and um, so we kind of honestly grew, grew up together uh, in the industry from you know fifteen hundred miles apart. Um, and then uh, she left them, uh, you know, greener pastures kind of thing, right? So went went, went and I think went to work for. A very oh, large. So you lost on for a period we of did, time. Yeah, yeah. So she was working on the agency side. We were, we she left the agency. We still were using the agency, but she left the agency. Uh, went to work for a large, I mean, some big, big, big company there on the East Coast. She had moved to Charlotte at some point, but they had an office in Charlotte. Their, their ad agency did. So she worked uh-huh. down there, I think, for a little while for them, and then left and went to work for a large company down there um, in North Carolina. And then um, it, was, it was pretty serendipitous, actually. The I I, I had our COO was retiring and he was kind of over marketing. And in about the last three years of his tenure, I was working alongside him um, on the marketing side, having kind of overtaken the sales side uh-huh. and um, you know, fast forwarding whatever, 15 years. And um, <laughs> I remember I had no clue, as you probably know, actually it was about when we started using, do you convert? I had no idea what I was looking at. I didn't have a login to our own Google analytics account, like all everything you could do wrong as a marketing executive business leader, I was doing it wrong. Um, and so I, I did what any smart leader does. And that's, I hopped on, um, LinkedIn. I'm going shopping for director of marketing. Now I wasn't shopping per se <laughs> shopping. for director of marketing. Cause I thought I wanted to have someone 
here in Texas. Had to have someone here in Texas because only people in Texas get Texas. That's what because we're. That's just how. Yeah, we if think. you're not if you're not from Texas and you know someone in Texas, you still get Texas at for sure every holiday and you know <laughs> Texas shaped cookie cutters, Texas shaped glasses, Texas shaped whatever. That's right. Yeah. That's right. So we. Um, Anyway, what I was doing was not necessarily recruiting anyone in particular. I didn't know anybody else in the marketing world. So I went to Don's LinkedIn profile and actually another person that worked at that agency who had also left. And I'm just looking at their LinkedIn profiles to see what, what should a director of marketing have on their LinkedIn profile? Mm. Uh, what things should they know? What certifications should they have? That kind of stuff. I'm like, I don't, I don't have any idea what they should do, shouldn't do. Should they be Googling Analytics certified? I don't know how big a deal that is. Um, at the time anyway, I didn't. And so I'm looking and obviously I, I guess she had, was it the premium service that you get when it notifies you? Mm -hmm. stalking oh you? yeah. She, she could watch you stalking her. Correct. Yes. Correct. Awesome. So, so she, I, I can't remember the exact order of things. If she saw that I was talking to her and then texted the CEO, the old COO, a guy named Mike and, and me, or anyways, she texted, I know she and I texted at some point and she said, saw you stalking the LinkedIn profile. What's up? Um, and actually called her and said, we're thinking about this. I'm thinking about this. I'm not real happy with what's going on. I think there's some things missing. Um, but I don't know what I'm, I don't know what I don't know. I don't know what I'm supposed to be looking for. Um, and so, um, should, you know, I kind of asking her those questions and anyway, sometime very close to that, I got Mike and I got a text from Don that said, um, he had retired by now, of course. And it said, uh, Hey, would you mind, can I put you guys down as references on my resume things aren't working out like i thought they would at this you know big giant corporation brand x and and um I like which i was reference so i'm kind of like well no <laughs> i'm not <laughs> you cannot put me down as a reference I, I immediately call uh my uncle who's our ceo eddie and uh i'm like hey man i don't know exactly how we can make this work but this is kind of too good to be true so anyway he and i talked we decided, hey, she doesn't have to move here. We can figure this out. Called her. I said, I'm not going to put you, you may not put me down as a reference, which obviously caught her off guard because I'm a little sadistic <laughs> like that, just a little. <laughs> and um, I said, but here's why. And uh, man, we offered her a job. And so anyway, according to her, it's her dream job, or it was at the time. I, I think it still is. But um, And it just worked out great for us. I mean, it was truly like a blessing. We, yeah. we, we just lucked into that. I'm going to, I'm well, first of all, I'm glad to hear that even though you had nothing to do with finding her originally, you were smart enough to rehire her. Yeah, yeah. So that's good. So ultimately you did pick her. Oh my gosh. Yeah. No, it was, yeah, a, yeah. it wasn't even, yeah, a, you picked her. It was but not a conversation. I, as this drama was unfolding, what kept hitting my mind is that the way that Eric processes information and finds out the answers that he wants to know is worth us talking about. So you're not formally trained in marketing. No, sir. But you did prompt when we had those original discussions, I think you had just kicked off the online sales program. Maybe you had two people. Correct. Yep. Had two. And my client was like, Hey, Eric's got some questions. Can you hop on? And I was like, geez, it's right in the middle of my nap time. I really don't, <laughs> I don't even time. know these people, but sure. I'll hop on. And, and, and you were asking very, very good questions. So we'll get into maybe what some of those were. Because uh, they're awesome around billboards and television and and uh, radio and, <laughs> and some of those things. Back. But, but <laughs> what is? Do you have a? And maybe if you've never thought about it, you can just think out loud while we record you. No pressure. 
Um, how do you go about finding answers to things? Or again, I think as a, a great leader doesn't have too many preconceived notions, but also understands the boundaries that they also need to stay within. And so, so talk to me about how, how do you learn new things? How do you uncover answers that you're, that when you're concerned about something, maybe not working or working, what's going through your brain? That's a really good question. And that's, it's been a, a big journey and growth area for, for me throughout my career and life, quite honestly. But I mean, I'll tell you what'll do it. it, it you know this well, it, it, it is what Andrew is. Uh, having kids will do it. Um, if you think you know everything <laughs> kids will do it. there is yeah. to know about whatever subject, just have kids and you'll figure out real quick. Um, Are you referring to the, when you don't have kids and there's little people running around screaming and you think, right. How, how like, easy is it to just, to just make, just make them do what you tell them to do. Yeah. How hard could this be? Yeah. This is ridiculous. I didn't act like that when I was a child because my parents were blah, blah, blah. And so, yeah, then you have one. You're like, Oh, I get it. I get yeah. it. Yeah. I don't know squat. So um, that's part of it. It's, it's being vulnerable enough to, well, part of it comes down, you call me a great leader. I mean, I work for a great leader. I work for my family. I work for my uncle directly. My dad worked here till he passed. Um, our, my grandparents still own the place. So, you know, you kind of, for the most part, we behave like what we're taught. Um, we behave, uh-huh. kind of that which we learned. And, and my uncle is always very good about saying, I don't know anything about sales. I don't know anything about construction. He's, a, he's an attorney and he's a CPA. Um, but usually that's so, a setup for the boss man or woman saying, I don't know anything about this, but I'm making the call, shut up and do what I say. Oh, so there's yeah, something usually, different going on here. <laughs> yeah, no, we, we, I fundamentally believe in the exact opposite. And that is, I don't know anything about this. Um, something has to be done. Like something has to, I know what, whatever is happening is not working. Um, seemingly or from the outside looking in, maybe it's not working. Help me understand. Um, what I'm not seeing. And then if there's a better way to do this, if, if you had to tear this down and redo it all over again, is this the way you would be doing it? Mm. Um, so ask, asking somebody that question is helpful because um, it gives them the space like, hey, maybe maybe it is okay if everything's not going okay. But you mainly have to make space for what you don't know, which by the way, you may have to make a whole lot more space for that than you do for the stuff you do know, because that's probably the case. Yeah. We know very, very little about whatever subject that it is. And there's much, much more of that. If you're a pie, so to speak, if you're looking at that, given the upcoming season, um, there's a pr- probably a pretty small <laughs> sliver that you actually know. And there's this whole bigger piece that, that you don't know. And you, it, it is incumbent upon you as the leader to find out as much about that other as you possibly can. But there do people a, try to BS you, Eric, in that process um, ever? Or have, has, has uh, everyone uh, learned that's a really bad idea at Tilson? Probably <laughs> I'm guessing, so. I mean, I'm, I'm guessing I'm, there's got to be a BS so. detector built in. There is. Yeah, there is. Well, I, I would know, right? I mean, <laughs> I was in sales for 13 years. For <laughs> oh, <laughs> where's the rim shot oh, when you man. need it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you, you... There you go. <laughs> there you go. It is, it is something that you have to obviously be on guard for. But again, I think as long as if you're de- being deliberately vulnerable about what you don't know, I don't mean like you have to sit around crying, crying all the time in every office you go to. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about um, going in and sitting down and entering someone's world and saying, hey, tell me um, how things are really going. Uh, here's what I see. Here's what I see happening at maybe a different sales office that's working well. Do y'all see the same thing? Would that work differently here? Tell me about that and making making people think and then also making them making it okay for them to to tell you stuff because otherwise you're just going to get what they want you to what they what they think you want to hear, which is super dangerous. Um, 
because I don't, you know, on the sales side, I, I've got a pretty good handle on that because I grew up doing that in, in this world. I also grew uh-huh. up in the warranty department. We were in high school and college. Um, that's what my brother and I did um, was we got, we were in a warranty van and hopping with the, you know, the actual warranty tech. You know, we're going to send a 16 year old kid down to fix someone's house. We're, we're, we have capable <laughs> people, but there's a way to learn the business. You've got a great way to learn the business and to oh, learn yeah. how to talk to a customer. And I'd to learn so. how to listen to a customer, which is actually, I got the order wrong. You learn how to listen first. Uh, and then you learn how to touch. So that, maybe that's where that comes from, um, is when you show up, when you drive an hour and a half south of Houston to someone's house that you know there's something wrong. And the first 15 minutes, you're just going to sit there and sometimes you're going to sit there and take it. With, yep. You know what I mean by that? Sometimes oh, you're gonna, if listen. it was 15 minutes, you're lucky. I've, <laughs> I've taken it for... <laughs> Better part of two hours at times. Well, fortunately in Texas, it's really hot in August. So we bring them outside. The port, which wrong, yeah, wow. After 15, 20 minutes, they're like, all right, yeah, let's fix this. Let's, let's get the fix. You know, I, I appreciate what we were told, oh, go ahead, um, go ahead. This is a really good kind of little, I call it my dad's win one for the giver speech, <laughs> which you'll find out real quickly. It was not. Um, but he sat my brother and me down um, in his office, like the day we started. I'm 16. I guess my brother would have been like, like 18, something like that. And uh, he's like, all right we're paying you guys minimum wage. And of course I'm like, dang right. You are like, that's what's up in my head. Obviously I wouldn't say that out loud ever. Um, but, uh, I'm thinking, you know, big money, 16 year old kids, six twenty five, I think was the rate at the time. Um, and he said, we're paying you that because we have to not because you're worth it. And I'm like, Oh, <laughs> this is, this is not a motivational locker room speech I was expecting. Um, and, uh, he said, you, you don't, actually know anything yet um you can like the only value you add right this second especially to these guys you're hopping in the van with is you can like carry thing heavy things from one place to the other yeah and not even that heavy because not, really that. not that heavy just they don't have right. to carry it just they don't have to do it right but apart from that you don't really bring a lot of value to the table right now uh, and that was a good thing to hear. Obviously, it wasn't a lot of fun at the time to hear. And, and if you think about it in hindsight, we were actually a burden to them, right? Imagine the owner's grandson hopping into your warranty van and now you got to drive to a customer. Like, yeah, your, that, only, your only upside is that you don't get fired by something that Eric tells <laughs> everyone else you did later. Theoretically, yeah, theoretically. And the, and the guy I rode with was absolutely phenomenal. Taught me a lot of what I know about how to listen to and talk to and, and uh, manage a customer. Um, and this was a warranty tech, you know, like we're not talking, this was a CEO type leader. Like this guy was hopping in a van in August and going out and taping a floating sheetrock, fixing plumbing leaks, climbing around an attic, fixing roof leaks, replacing roof vents, power vents. Remember those? Oh yeah. Um, that kind of stuff. And so it was good to hear in, in my dad, the end of the speech with you have to, if, if you're going to work here, you have to work like you're in a fishbowl, like everyone's watching because they are. Um, so if is standing around, you know, talking, chatting at the water cooler. Water coolers were things that we would go to uh, when you needed water um, and were thirsty. That was a thing back in the, in the in time. <laughs> that's, anyway, where you, that's where you heard all about the big Friday night show that everyone right. was excited that's to right. watch. So or, if everyone's yeah. standing around doing that, you find somewhere else to be. Disappear. Go find a broom. Go find something that needs to be fixed. There's always something that needs to be fixed because the minute you're over there doing it with them, it's an endorsement. And so that was, that was those were good words of wisdom to hear, um, particularly yeah. for a 16 year old kid who thought they knew everything. Um, so anyway, starting out with, you don't know what you don't know. And there's probably a whole lot that you don't know. So ask questions and listen. Awesome. 
Andrew, you had a question? Yeah, it, yeah, I was gonna say it sounds like all of this is built on this communication style and just living of being honest and direct. Like even how you how you Don reached out to you via text. Like she just fits in that culture, like, hey, I saw you on LinkedIn looking at my profile, what's up? And then your response could have been like you could have been more guarded and like, oh, I'm not I, I, I don't know, I'm just looking around, like, no big deal. We're just looking, but you were like, Nope, here's my problem, looking for the solution. <laughs> and then that has blossomed to this awesomeness of, of marketing. And then all the other conversations that you just said, like, as far as like, you, I have to pay you minimum wage. You're not worth this. You do not know anything yet versus like some other conversation. So it's, oh, it's really interesting to me. Like every conversation that you've had that you just talked about has been direct, honest, no, no fluff around it. It's just straight to the point. Here's what is going to happen. Yeah, that I will tell you that the direct Maybe part takes us funding. <laughs> uh, I'm still trying to hone that. Well, the humor helps. Yeah, you know that's where you can you can the fluff needs to come from adding that that dose of sarcasm or humor or hey we all kind of are in on the joke here so I can be direct because it's not a gotcha. It's like we all know this is a problem, so I'm allowed to be direct because we're just tiptoeing around it if we if we don't. So well, and by the way, as the leader, you had a lot to do with the problem, right? Like you mm. you can say so and so did it two or three or four steps down the the org chart if you want to. Yeah. But the reality is who put that person there and and who's allowed it to to continue to this point and who's really accountable because the old, you know, you can delegate responsibility all day long, but you cannot delegate accountability. Yeah. There's, there's nothing against those people who get, you know, go straight from a four-year degree to an MBA, um, get a mid-level or, or upper level management position. I, I don't want to disparage no. people who have that path, but I will, as again, as you were talking, I'm going back through my mental Rolodex of great leaders that I've had the chance to work with or know, um, and almost all of them either had a frontline service position working fast food, working, you know, retail or, or within the industry started in a, in a lower position. And I don't know, like, like you were just saying, it's, it's not your ability to, to be a technician in, in the warranty department and, and that you picked up. It was this idea of respecting everyone at all levels of the organization and a respect for the complexity that there's probably a lot more to that job than, than what you are understanding. And so can I, can I tell you the best lesson I learned from, from him? It's a story. Yeah. No, I love it. We love I, stories I, I, here. I like to put you convert. in a position to try and say no. I'm like, Hey, you say no to that. That'd be tough. Yeah. That's uh, a good pin down. Sure. Yeah. It's 13 years of sales, man. Um, so his name, uh, his, his name's Frank and, uh, and he worked for my grandfather for many, many, many years. Um, and anyway, so we're down in like, we would pick up all our supplies the day before, right? Or, or sometimes on a Monday, we, if we knew what we were going to be in all week, we would pick all that stuff up. But uh-huh. so you're talking like some windowsills, some, you know, go find the customer's paint. Did y'all have Devo paint? Was that a thing? Uh, I have not. Is brand? that the okay. paint block? Like water it was, blocking it was a paint, paint? It was a paint brand. It was a brand. Okay, Devo, no. Anyway, so we'd go buy Devo, pick up the paint. You know, we'd, we'd call in to get the PO and fill in the PO on the carbon copy purchase order, right? We'd get the tubes of caulk. Um, we get all, all the stuff we we're going to need for whatever project we're going to be doing in the next couple of days. And so we took off down to um, Manville, Texas, which is about an hour and a half south of Houston. It's actually, there's master plan communities there now, but <sighs> 1996, there were not. Um, so we're, we're peeling off down the road. 
And um, it's a long, I mean, at the time it was long because I live about an hour north of Houston. So this is a, this is a two and a half hour yeah. ride. Typical Tilson ride. No big deal. That's just a typical tech, <laughs> typical Texan ride. <laughs> no yeah. big deal. No big deal. Anyways, we get down there and we're walking up to the house and, and you can hear, um, I can hear dog. Like you can hear that. You can hear what a large dog sounds like, right? Like, you know, when a large dog is barking and versus a small dog, like, yeah, you, mm-hmm. you have a pretty good sense of, of the size of an animal. Um, and they're in the, they're obviously in the garage and they're just like going, you know, they hear the doors open and all that they're doing with dogs. Do. It's just, you're invading my territory. I'm unhappy about this or curious or whatever. So they're barking like, I mean, big dogs. I'm like, Oh, great. You know, what's this, what's this place going to look like? And, um, and I, I, we get up to the door, walk in customers, pretty, pretty abrasive actually. Um, and you know, Frank is, Oh, we're, you know, and Mr. Mr. Who at your Jones, we're here to, Take, you know, take a look. The windows were leaking. That was the that was the warranty ticket. Windows were leaking and uh, causing damage to the windowsills, paint to peel, all that. So Frank tells me, he's like, hey, you go inside and um, you start, you know, take your razor knife, start cutting out the windowsill. Like demolition, by the way, a 16-year-old, you can do that. Pretty good at that. Hmm. Um, so I need to take the windowsill out. I'm going to go around and check the window and, and see what's going on. Okay. So I go out and he's got a water hose and he's spraying it down. I go up to the windowsill and like, I can see as from a distance from across the family room that there's obviously exposed wood. I'm like, Oh, that's not good. I get over there and I'm looking, the closer I get, the more I'm like, those are teeth marks. Yeah. Like, I'm no Perry no Mason. I knew those I dogs hear, weren't going to be mm, innocent bystanders. In this story. I, hear, I hear dogs, large dogs barking. I see teeth marks. This is not law and order SVU or anything like that, but <laughs> it could be. I, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the window is fine. Um, but whatever, I'm, so I'm, I'm kind of, now I'm getting, obviously, because now I feel like they're taking advantage of my family. They're taking advantage of yeah. Frank. They're taking advantage of me. And, you know, justice needs to be meted out, of course, because um, we all want justice for other people, mercy for ourselves. But, right. Um, so anyway, I ease on outside to, and I guess I would probably not, yeah, I guess I was obviously was, didn't, was not holding my composure once outside. And I was kind of probably chunking things in the back of the van. Frank comes around. And he's like, "Hey, man, I can't. You know, I think this windows. I can't see anything wrong. Leaking in the window. Seeing the water coming in. I'm like, the window's fine. There's nothing wrong with this window." He's like, <laughs> "What is your problem?" I'm like, "These guys are they're liars. Like, this is a complete. This is complete. And by the way, most customers are not this way. This is like one out of a thousand. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I do not subscribe to that. To the most employees aren't this way. Most correct." Yeah. Right. So anyway, I'm, uh, uh, but, but this one was, so I'm pressing all that as saying, I believe people are genuinely good. Yeah. So I, uh, anyway, he's, he's, he's like, obviously he's like, I gotta get this kid under control, um, before he says something or does something stupid and, um, that I have a real problem on my hands. So he says, look, um, I get it. The dog ate the windowsill. Um, we are down here. We have their specific paint color that's not worth anything to us at any other house. We have the windowsill. We're here. You know, we've paid, Tilson's paid for the gas. They've paid for our time. We're already, this is a frontline warranty tech. Wow. Um, And he's like, what is the worst that could happen if we replace this windowsill? Of course, I'm like, well, they're going to, you know, they're going to do it again. And and he goes, actually, that's not the worst that could happen. The worst that could happen is they tell all their friends how they got one over on Tilson homes and how they duped us into coming down here and replacing a perfectly good windowsill that their dogs ate out. And what do you think their friends are going to think about that? 
that's right. pretty awesome that your company came out and did that. That's what they're going to think. So that yeah. was a big lesson about customer, the, the big picture, right? The long game. Yeah. That's one of the reasons why we all love Amazon is you can take that box back to Kohl's, drop it off in 10 seconds, and you've got your refund. Yeah. There's not this suspicion because can you imagine how much Amazon does get ripped off like every I single know. minute? I cannot. Every I single see, day. You see on the news now, like $100,000 in returns. You're like, how did this go on for so long? And how many packages is that? And then just, yeah. Well, they, they even, they even, the other day we had to, re, I had, to return or my wife asked me to return something it was a pig snout and ears for a a Halloween costume. Somehow my kids had (laughs) accidentally ordered two of them Mm. instead of one. And so we needed to send the one back. And so I go on to the app. I hit the return button, say, we just don't need it. It was, and it just says, keep them. Right. (laughs) Here's your $11 and 62 cents back. Keep them. And you're Like. like, this is so great. I mean, my wife was so surprised. We actually, I know someone who works at DeConvert who had that happen with a, I think it was like a $4,000 television. Um, But it's that same idea. And I still, to this day, I go to Target when I have to because Mm -hmm. I'm being dragged there by someone else. But I just don't like that company because I remember I had to take something back and they wanted this is they were like the first retailer nationally who we need your driver's license oh if my you're gosh, making a return yes, you're like you need my what oh, well yeah me. you only get to do this twice a year with no receipt and they're just i forget you i don't i don't want to shop here yeah i but, remember i actually have used that analogy as that hey anything but the target return policy like i i because <laughs> it's, it's known like I'll do, uh, I'm never going to do that to, to someone. Like anything but the target return policy. Anything's on the table, but yep. not that. Yep. Well, I, I want to pivot here to talk a little bit about the content marketing strategy at Tilson and, and in particular, your role in it. Uh, so Eric is a big part of many series of content, uh, vi- videos, live streams. Um, is that Drawing on your sales background and comfort, does it feel to you like you're back on the on the floor, so to speak, when, when you're doing those? Do you have a, a history in uh, in being on an actual stage uh, in terms of drama productions? You seem incredibly comfortable to be on that side of the camera. Yeah, so I have I have no formal training. Um, and if I, if I did, I wouldn't put that on someone and claim it <laughs> like, please, gosh, don't tell anybody. That. Uh, but no, I don't have any formal training. Obviously, like I said, in, in new home sales, I did do that for the better part of a decade for, for our company. So greeting people, demonstrating the models. Um, actually, so it was like the, the third summer that I was working for Tilson. First two summers we worked in warranty. The third summer, we actually had a need in, in our Houston sales office for a sales assistant. We were just crazy busy. I guess it, was, it would have been the summer of 98. So pretty wild and crazy uh, time before the dot-com bubble. Um, and we were selling a lot of houses and, and needed some help, basically just processing. And so anyway, uh, model demonstrations, so standing, in, standing up, standing in front of um, a couple um, or a family and, and demonstrating, you know, the, the, the benefits, the features, and then walking them through, you know, demonstrating a model home. It's, it's a script so to speak. I mean, we didn't know that was really what it was at the time. It wasn't really formal, but that's what mm-hmm. it was. I mean, you went from room to room and showed them and asked questions. And um, so, yeah, but that, that's, that's, I guess where that comes from um, is I don't have any problem. You know, I'm, I'm very familiar with walking through a house and talking about a house and then 
you know, after 20 years of doing this, you, you get used to answering. I mean, every single one of our sales, the questions that I answer on the fly on those Facebook lives or whatever, I mean, there's the exception of probably a few of the construction ones. Um, every single one of our sales consultants can answer those on the fly because they do it every day. Right. Um, all day for, for prospects and, and customers. So, you know, you got 20 years of, of that data to pull out of your head. Um, and, and um, I don't know, I, I guess, yeah, it was just, Hey, we need to do something <laughs> kind of real different real quick. And people ask these questions. What if we could, and this really came from y'all. Um, you know, I don't know if you remember the, the summit in Chicago, maybe whichever one it was that you went off on, on bingeable content. Oh uh, yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. So, so that kind of got us thinking like, Hey, yeah, that's how people, you know, you, you can, that's how we watch Netflix now. Right. We watch YouTube. Mm -hmm. We just, we just binge on something. If you're interested, if you're interested in that TV that someone bought on Amazon, you know, how, how many videos or reviews did they watch or read, um, before they click that button. And, um, some people more than others, but by and large, you're taking, making a big ticket item purchase. You're going to do a significant amount of research. Um, and I think Andrew, you even spoke to that uh, podcast or two back about uh, some, some camera or some device you'd recently bought. And you could not believe that there yeah. were already thousand videos on it. Um, and so that's where that came from. It's like, well, we, you know, trying to hire someone to do, we, we it was all we could do to get a videographer. And we have a super square way like Dawn found an, an equally unicorn <laughs> that she is in, in videographer world. Nice. Um, but you find someone like that and it, then it's just, it doesn't matter quite frankly who the talent is. Um, cause the customers at the end of the day, I don't think they really care. Um, I may be underestimating that a little bit, but I don't think they care as long as their questions are answered. Um, and that their fears and reservations are, if not eliminated, at least mitigated, um, in some way. And now I do think that there's something to not being super talented about it that makes it a little more real um mm -hmm. authentic because mm -hmm. it is real like it's, it's i'm a warranty tech doubling as a sales guy doubling as a leader manager owner board member guy okay but and then on the side i do these videos so um but it's not just a couple videos there's a few. <laughs> i mean i just did a quick count on your youtube channel alone there are i believe 111 videos on that account Charlie, 31 of which are more were made six years ago. Well, between two and two and nine years ago. So just this year alone. Terrible math, 60 plus videos, 70 plus videos. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, yeah. I think it means a lot that it's you in the videos. I know you maybe it's because you're talking about yourself, but I think that I think that does mean something to everyone that's buying like, oh, this is like leadership in the video, not someone else who I will never, ever see. But this is like, this is someone who gives answers. Like this is, this is the, the resource here. What's awesome. Your third most popular video is your easy buy program. And the <laughs> thumbnail on it is it's written like on a marker board or something, or it's like on the, on the desktop, but it's so that is a surface. Yeah. It's numbers and everything. And it's an hour and 32 minutes long on financing, how you guys finance differently than, than other on your lot builders. And there's 5,400 views, which is people are like, oh, is that a lot? I'm like, I think that's a tremendous amount for an hour and a half long video just on that single topic alone. Like that's, that's awesome. Yeah. But if you, and if you think about it though, it's, that's the number, like what's the number one thing people preventing most people from buying a home. Yeah. Right there. I don't have $300,000, right? Like 
how in the world does that work? Like they understand, they hear the word mortgage or they hear the word, the phrase construction loan, but what is that? I mean, there's a big chasm that separates most people from $300,000 and just cold, hard cash to be able to plop down on a home. So Mm -hmm. until you overcome that chasm or build a bridge or something, they're not going to buy. Like they can love your house and you can do the best demonstration and it can be all wonderful. And their piece of property is fantastic and they want it. But until you bridge that gap, that's not going to happen. Andrew, there's definitely something to the fact that this is a family member that's in the videos mm-hmm. and, and putting something down in written form, you know, it, if it's not in a, in, well, in a book, for example, it's incredibly painful to write a book because you know that you're never going to get a chance at some point to make any more changes to that book. Mm. It's like my words are out there, whatever I said, it's on the record. The fact that Eric, you're on the video this much there does become this sense of you're all in like it's, yeah, it could be the I, I'm in cause it's my family and it's what I do and I'm not really, but if we did the math on 70 videos averaging, it looks like about three and a half to four minutes uh, a video. There's, there's a lot of minutes of Eric saying a lot of things that, um, that authenticity and genuineness has to be there or else you would have to have a crew of 12 people working on these things, which I know you don't. And it could be more if you compare this to say the majority of other builders, like you won't see that level of leadership on the videos. You really don't see that level of people period. Yeah. I mean, because they have a paid spokesperson that they can only afford to have a little bit uh, of time with, or because there's this sense that uh, that, that individual contributes nothing as just the pretty pictures that people want, which is not true. They, they want the context that a, that a human being is going to give them and the, and the extra things that they can't see in that image on top. I mean, they want it all. They want the pretty video. They also want Eric crawling through an attic with yes. a flashlight. I see that. Um, you know, looking at how insulation's installed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And maybe because it's on your Latin. So there's different level of, uh, education and just probably knowledge on average, a, I would imagine an on your lot buyer knows substantially more than someone like myself that just built in a community and I just picked the floor plan and here's my list of options. And that's really all I know. For sure. Uh, I, I, I'm sure Eric, you can speak to that. However, again, most builders would not allow someone from their company or wearing a shirt with a logo on it to explain how something is constructed or to be constructed because they are terrified that that means tomorrow or the next day, someone's going to find it an example of them not doing that. And it's now game over, which it, it wouldn't be necessarily, but I, they just wouldn't, we're not going to, we're not going to talk about that. Like show the 10 second montage of how the house goes together. Look, that's how we build our homes. We don't want to get into the, into the details. It's magical. Yeah, uh, that was a, I mean, that was a conversation, obviously. I mean, we had, again, going back to the, you don't know what you don't know. Like, are people going to see this? And now if every single house isn't done like that, are we going to be running around? Cause we will, we're that kind of company. We're going to do what's right. No matter what it's not negotiable. Um, and, and, uh, I mean, you go back to all the way back to the example of changing out the windowsill when it wasn't not our fault, right? That's, that's the fundamental business philosophy, uh-huh. but, um, to that end, Andrew, you made a great point, and that's that um, talking about on your lot to us that our happiest buyers, the smoothest experiences that happen when we're building a home for someone 
mm-hmm. are the ones that do have the most education, correct, edu- correct information. Yeah. Interesting. Um, right. So, so the more they know about how the process works, really, maybe paradoxically to some people, but the happier they're going to be about it um, because it makes more sense. Our toughest builds, and actually there's a couple of cities that we've gotten out of. I mean, our core, 91% of what we build is outside of an incorporated, is outside of, a, of the city limits. Um, and where, sometimes where we struggle the most is in these um, large cities that have very onerous uh, zoning and planning and, and uh, engineering and things that are very nebulous when, you know, like trying to figure out and navigate, like all of their codes and zonings are, are done around large scale production, you know, 30, they all apply to 30 lot. You need a drainage study. You need a mitigation study. You need a conveyance study. You need all this stuff. Like I'm putting on a 65 by hundred foot lot. It's going to cost me like 13 grand to start the engine. What are you talking about? So, um, those people usually don't wind up very satisfied um, because there's not really a lot of transparency. And what it comes down to is I can't provide transparency because I don't have enough um, control over the city's process, ownership over that process. Mm. So, I, you know, we pulled That's out of a really interesting point, Eric. Really, a couple inter- of cities. Interesting. I mean, we all know the example of the airline um, person at check in just. You know, <laughs> going away here for 15 minutes and you're like, what the heck are you doing? And study after study has shown that if, if you are transparent with what it, what you are doing, people are willing to wait longer to be more understanding, um, to give you the benefit of the doubt. And so much of what builders do. I remember, um, we had a service tech come to our house when we built with our, our, our first home here in Columbus. And we had windows that were leaking. And then because the windows, you have, you have dogs. <laughs> no, well, that's not true. We did have uh, Abby, the golden retriever, but golden retrievers, as no we all know, here. golden retrievers are angels uh, are. sent back to us, so they're, they're not guilty for anything they do. Although they do that's like right. pools. But the, They'll also the tell was, you if they are. <laughs> window was leaking, but also the stucco around, which stucco in central Ohio done around 2003 to 2007 was just a bad idea. Mm-hmm. We don't know what we're doing with stucco here in the Midwest, or maybe we've started to learn, it seems like. But it was cracking and looked awful, and the cracks were, I mean, probably a quarter of an inch in some places around the window. And when they came over, there was a team of, of two or three guys and they basically would not let you watch them do what they were their analysis where they're like, get out of here. We're gonna go in the in your bedroom now and we're gonna inspect the window. You don't need to be it was it was just bizarre. And you're like, wow. okay, already big warning signs. What what are we doing here? Why can't I see in my own house what you are inspecting? Was, my window. <laughs> so right, I, yeah. In my it, home where my wife sleeps and my kids play. Yeah, that's a non starter. Um and and that's part of actually what I love on on coaching calls is knowing that as I am educating whoever I am speaking with, I'm also by default holding myself accountable. Mm. I, I really enjoy what you have caused to pop in my head, Eric, is because of who Tilson is, the risk of educating the customer is never a risk because you're going to do the right thing. Yeah. And so if I'm educating someone about this is this is a, a theory of digital marketing or this is the button to push or this is how we think about this at the same time, because I also have that same standard because I've seen too many builders get manipulated or 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 used as a check by an agency that I that there is no risk in that ever coming back to haunt me, even if I was not 
uh, you know, information changes, processes change, and, and that same bit of wisdom later turns out to no longer be relevant. It's not a danger to me because it's That's just right. how I'm, how I'm conducting myself. That's right. Yeah. We actually had that, our, my counterpart on the construction side, a guy named Justin Ordino, um, and he, uh, we use, um, a customer experience survey, um, program that they, it, it, part of their compensation is based on that part of their bonus is based on that, the, the building superintendents and, you know, they, it, it has some struggles. It's got some, um, but it, at the end of the day, you know, they, they, they complain about it from time to time. Some do, not all of them do, but, but his, his point always to them when one of them's getting really heated about it, or I don't have enough surveys for you to, you know, it's not fair. Cause I only had two come back in one month and one of them was just really terrible. And, you know, and his answer, his response to them is always, okay, if we didn't have this survey program software, whatever it is, what would you do different? How would you behave differently? Mm-hmm. And, and there's no right answer to that, right? I mean, what are you going to say? I would do a worse job. <laughs> there's, <laughs> there's no right way. To, it's so, so brilliant to hear him say it to somebody. And they just, you know, kind of turn out of the office and walk down the hallway and move on down the road and go out and do the right thing. Yep. Um, like if you do the right thing enough for enough people, you're going to be okay. Um, if, if, if particularly if people can see that you're genuinely trying to do right and not do wrong, you're going to be okay. Yep. All right. Last question. 2021. You think we just asked this uh, a couple of weeks ago. Do you think 2021 will be easier or harder for sales and marketing individuals than 2020 was? Ooh, that's a tough question. So there's two different people there. I'm I'm not a big believer of of sales and marketing have are in the same boat and have the same challenges. Uh, oh, I know yeah. you are to- totally different challenges. Just um, they got to work together. But they're so certainly. They're, yeah. I think for sales, it will be harder for and us here. So I, I you know I'll have a little. This is a little world I live in, right? Of building custom homes, scattered site on rural land in mm-hmm. te- Texas. So mm-hmm. I believe for that, I think it's going to be a little tougher. By that I mean, I, no, there's still high demand, low interest rates. All that's wonderful. I do believe that the the pandemic and perhaps even if you can call it civil unrest in in urban and suburban areas that helped us a lot because hmm. um, people wanted out and then we're fortunate here in Texas there's a whole lot of land and pretty easy to come by it's not as easy as it used to be but it's pretty easy to come by still there's a lot of rural land yep. um, and our process makes it pretty easy to build a home out on that rural land if you if you have the means to acquire the land. Um, so I think that part will be harder because the salespeople are going to have to work harder on follow-up. So they'll need, um, they'll have to work harder to, you know, people may, I don't know, who knows what's going to happen, but we're not going to have a presidential election. Um, so that, that will, they'll be have to some other, something else will have to instigate civil unrest. Um, but it's, it's, that part's going to be harder because they're going to have to work harder to get people on contract. Um, the rates help, but that'll be tougher. Marketing. Um, their role will be, I think, equally difficult in giving the tools to those salespeople and holding whoever the sales leaders are, holding the salespeople accountable to using whatever tool. Follow up would be specific. Huh. Right? You're going to have to be militant about follow up more so than you were, probably were before. Internal internal marketing is going to be more challenging. I think is what I, I hear you saying. External, it may be a little bit easier because you're going to have less need to 
find all the leads because the leads are still coming if you're doing the basics right and you've got some space and time to work on bigger, different projects, better content, et cetera. But from an internal, how do we help uh, foster organizational change and make the the changes necessary on the sales end stick yeah. without making salespeople hate us? That's going to be <laughs> harder. Well, and the other internal marketing is the cultural Right. Like that people are, we have uh-huh. some, all of our sales offices were open the whole time, which we thank God. Um, truly, uh, we were able to do that safely. And, but internally, you know, all of our admin, our design and drafting and our uh, pre-construction folks and estimating and accounting and all, like they all pretty well went remote. Um, all of them went remote not pretty well. Um, and so driving the purpose through the organization um, from a leadership team, leveraging Thank God we have someone like Don um, that can help us do that. But that's going to be harder than it ever was, um, uh-huh. particularly for companies who, you know, you guys have been remote since day one. So you've got it figured out, but we we have not been that way. And so you've got those serendipitous conversations that used to take place um, in the office next door that that while some of it might have been kind of a time waster and they are getting more done faster now that they're remote. But how do you deliberately create those serendipitous moments of aha? And ask a question, and, and that's going to be a true challenge for all business leaders. Awesome, Eric! Thank you so much for giving us so much that's of your great. time today on a Friday of all days. <laughs> and one thing that um, Eric and Andrew both have in common, which oh. is crazy, but but I applaud them for it, is you guys both regularly wake up before five a.m. <laughs> that's true. That is, in my mind, that's my that's my time. That's. The world has not started. Yeah. You can do whatever you need to do. Yeah, you can, and it will always be there, at least for yeah. me, with me. That's about kids. the extent of our commonalities, by the way, because yeah. I happen to know <laughs> Andrew can squat a house. Uh, and that is not the the level of physicality that Eric brings to the morning workout. I'll tell you that, right? <laughs> well, just change your morning a little bit. We both have beards, too. We all have beards here. Yeah. yeah everybody got beards. This is good. This is good. That is, that is true. I think there's some other early people. I put a story up on my Instagram earlier. And I saw some West Coast people commenting about back to it about an hour ago. I'm like, that what? doesn't count. No, they're when going it, to bed. They're, they're going, going to bed. bed. I'm like, what are you? I don't know what they're doing if they just happen to, they let the dog out or something and they're just waiting for the dog to come back in. Who knows? I'm like, what are you doing? So there might be some <laughs> other crazy people out there before 5 a.m. <laughs> All right. That's it. Thanks, Eric, for coming. Thank on. you guys so much. Appreciate I really appreciate the time. Y'all are great. Bye. May you have auspiciousness and causes of success. May you have the confidence to always do your best. May you take no effort in your being generous. Sharing what you can, nothing more, nothing less. May you know the meaning of the word happiness. May All right, and we're back. And J- Jackie, why don't you go ahead and read? Sure. Last week's question of the week, and then we'll we'll get into the answers. All right. So last week's question was, do you expect 2021 to be an easier or harder year for new home marketers and why? And drum roll. Drum roll. Oh, I actually have a drum roll. Oh, yeah. Nope. That's the typewriter. <laughs> <laughs> Yay. Most of you said harder, you pessimistic folks. Um, <laughs> Don, I see you. <laughs> yeah. Don, Linnea, Carla, I see lots of little faces in there. Um, Harder, one out. uh, Looks like about 60, 65% to 35%. This is a personality test question. (laughs) Right. Yeah, that's that's true. And let's read some of the comments to see if they tell us more. So uh, Dawn does say harder. I think after a year where everything and anything worked, we're all going to have to readjust to working for the leads. 
I don't know if we're going to have to work for the leads. We're going to have to work for making people generally happy as much as possible. But at the same time, we'll be managing reputation risk. Absolutely. From the sales volume this year and resulting delays. That last line. Beth Ann says this plus managing expectations. We got it though. Yep. And then Don replies, the first rule of 2021, never talk about 2020. Oh, I love it. And then Melissa Kelly says easier. I say that because we finally have the buy-in that our online presence, website, and content is key mm. to our business. It took a global pandemic, but the point is clear. Oh, I the re- to the rest of the company. Crazy. Yeah. 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 That that's awesome. Yes. When yeah. when everyone understands now, the trick here, Melissa, is that now that everyone understands, everyone's gonna have an opinion. Yep. So get ready for that. Like, you know, yeah. the cue the Simpsons comic book character of like, excuse me, (laughs) I don't see that we're posting very often on TikTok. And (laughs) someone else said that's important. You're like, here's a login. Have fun. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That account to private or something. I don't know how it works, but we'll see Uh, it. Uh, And I don't think we talked about our answers to this Uh, real quick. Andrew, you have a a thought, a harder, easier than this year, next year? I I can't say different because that is an obvious answer. I think it will be, I think it'll be harder. I think there will be at some point where it will not be this crazy, everything works. I'm not saying everything's going to like, we're going to take a dive, but I think even December, November, like now, like things have kind of felt like they've slowed down a little bit, but it's not like, all right, it's December time for everyone to take off and do everything. Like, yeah, we're, I think there's been a few builders that are like, Hey, we need to bring spend down just because it's December. But last year Mm. it was like, everybody was like, all right, we're just taking a little break in December and they're cool with it. Cause that's the plan. Now it's like, Nope, Nope. We're still going. So I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Will that rest period be in June or July or mm-hmm. probably not? Hopefully it's next fall. I think they will be, and that will feel harder, even though I think that will be normal. Like that will be like, just what happens. There's a season. Like mm-hmm. I'm going to try to be really thoughtful and say both. And it's up to you to decide. It's going to be Ooh. harder if you decide to not just Yoda focus on answer. leads and actually try to work on and solve a different problem, mm-hmm. like expectations, post-sale design process, what whatever that is. Or 2021 could be super easy if you just continue to tell everyone else around you, yep, my job is leads and don't worry, I got this. Mm-hmm. And it'll be easier in 2021 it, that you're just delaying though, the inevitable that eventually it will be harder. Just like those who delayed and yeah. said, we don't need an online salesperson. Well, yeah. we don't need like to actually interact with customers on social media. We don't need Matterport tours. Well, then you did. And it was hard and mm-hmm. way more painful and scary than it had to be in 2020. So I'm always a fan of make it harder for yourself when it, generally is easier. And I think that's what 2021 should be for most of you is it should be harder, but it's harder because you choose to make it. So yes, I like that answer. I like it. All right. That'll do it for this week for published articles, blog posts, videos, and more check out doconvert.com. It's also the best way to find out how to connect with us on Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, and everywhere else that we are online. Good luck with your Christmas shopping, holiday shopping this year. Um, and we'll see you next week. See ya. (laughs) Bye.